Hello. Uh, welcome back to Tony Ground. Um, cool. Let's get into it. Um, if anyone hasn't noticed today's title, it is perfectly grammatically correct. Uh, no spelling errors were, were made in today's title. Um, and we are going to look at uh, uh, something, uh, a piece of news, if you call it that. I guess it's news. It is news, right? Um, that came out of uh, Germany, right? So, for those of you who aren't aware, um, the German guys, the German Asmodee Germany, along with the likes of um, Ilya, uh, Yannick, and all those guys, uh, have been putting together a German event. Uh, they finally got confirmation that is going to be German nationals, effectively. Um, it's happening, you'll notice, with Asmodee Germany. Um, it is not something that is happening just as like other people have done it. Like, as much as the GT is an event that holds its own thing, it is just London GT as an event where, you know, all the guys are hosting that event part of that this is actually being you know sponsored and being kind of developed and run with asmodee germany as his partner um which is a massive step forward i think um for events and uh this whole thing is in german so i'm not going to read it out there is english translations but the big 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 bit hit is this bit here I'll zoom right in on that so if you can't see it at home on your screens you get a nice big copy of it on the screen there the best placed players of the tournament will qualify for the next world championships which will be hosted by Simon prized Pikachu face yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> um there is something Yeah, there is something weird about this. Two things I have to say. One the fuck there's a world championship. And two, can you really say the next? Because that implies there has been a previous. And as far as I'm aware there hasn't. I I don't know, it might just be me. Um I mean desire to know more. Like Yeah. yeah. Please please <laughs> tell us more. Um, yeah, what? Like, please, what? <laughs> what, where, when, what, 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 and more what? Who I, uh, um, reminds me of uh, Flight of the Concords, uh, the Rhymnoceros uh, piece they do where the, uh, he's like, what, why, what, 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 why, why, what? Uh, that moment where you can just say lots of questions because it really is, uh, I mean, it's good. It, it's the first, it's the first anybody's ever heard of it right like yeah yeah, yeah. like so. this is the first that anyone has heard of it to the point where like you guys you chris specifically um but chris mainly being the contact that we've got with seaman organized play so robert and the likes of that um has never mentioned it <laughs> yeah no. chris saw yeah. this and went what the fuck <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's odd to announce that this tournament qualifies you for some other tournament that you haven't actually announced, right? Like that's yeah, that that that, that that's a missed announcement. But uh, yeah, 
unless this is the announcement of it, but that's weird. Um, <laughs> I have nothing else to say. It's good, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, as always, as always, there's just, you know, like, want there to be more transparency. You know, what, what, well, this is, this is a nationals. Are, are all nationals that have, you know is the Italian nationals, Spanish nationals, LGT, aka UK nationals, you know, US nationals? Are they all qualifying for this world tournament? Because that would none be of you know, like, as part of the, as you say, as part of the people who are organising the LGT, we we have no information about that. Uh, as far as I know, you know, I don't think any other nationals has uh, knowledge of that. Or, you know, is the requirement that, well, Asmodee are running this event, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's what makes it possible that this is now a Worlds qualifier and that effectively only if Asmodee actually run the event mm -hmm. does it become viable as a qualifier for this World event. Uh, crazy, yeah, you know, Welsh Nationals, yeah. Well, you know, are we talking about a size requirement if the, if the Welsh Nationals makes, you know, 40, 50 people? Yeah. It is, uh, and yeah, and yeah, where are we holding this world? I mean, that is... That's the big question. At the risk of sounding too negative, I'm going to throw it out there. Worlds is going to be in the US. Mm. Um, so, US Nationals Part 2. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gen Con Part 5, maybe. Um, you know, it's... I, I'm I'm I am really I'm really stoked for it potentially being an event. I'm really happy that this is a thing that we can all look forward to. Especially competitive players in the community now that can go, wait, hang on, there's something beyond now. There's something more than just winning this event or turning up at the national event. You know, I'm not saying that everyone wins, but everyone plays for the national event because they believe it's important. Whereas if you know, hey, top four at nationals in the various different you know, national events, maybe, are kind of come together and have like this 48-man tournament that's international players from across the world. It's like, whoa, hang on a second. <laughs> um, uh, so that's uh, that would be that would be awesome. Um, there's also an interesting question, right? Which I was going to approach um, with it being nationals that we're seeing does you know you turn up to the german nationals and you play in the german nationals and you do well then you know you go fuck it i'm gonna go to the lgt and you turn up at the lgt and you do well um then you turn up at like spanish nationals and you win that one like where is it's not going to be held in the u.s Ilias said in chat good start um wow yeah because i mean the the, the immediate thing for me and it does isolate players somewhat but the U.S. players are likely going to have to get planes regardless. If it's held in, like, the U.S., they're still having to travel across country anyway. Um, we've gone through this before. It's like traveling across a continent. The U.S., the, U, the U.K., the EU player base, the Polish player base, very active communities. Um, I do think somewhere like France or Germany would be a good situation for it, a good location. I don't think the U.K. would be appropriate, um, especially because actually you isolate at the moment with the UK and laws with EU 
travel and things like that, it would isolate a lot of uh, European players accessing the UK, potentially. Um, but I think EU would be fine. Yeah. I don't know what you think. I mean, yeah, like... I feel like I feel like the player base is significantly stronger in 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 Europe, right? Like mm -hmm. it it seems, but hey. but but maybe that's you know just a Euro Eurocentric viewpoint. But maybe every 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 major country you can name five, six, seven countries in Europe who all have player bases as big, as strong, and as active as the US. So you know to then uh, to then hold it over there would 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 went so far away from everywhere else but you know there's there's, there's active places across asia in you know yes. or australasia i was going to raise itself, raise that's going to be miles for them no matter what raise that exact point i mean we haven't seen an australian national event kind of occur yet um and in that part of the world um we haven't seen anything happening in singapore much although there was a singapore store um, that played, I believe, uh, an event not too long ago. Um, Indonesia, uh, we know that the likes of Van Van and stuff have had events, I believe, in their stores. But again, it's the scenes are not large. There's also mm -hmm. the, the possibility that the World Championship will happen in Singapore, being the, the headquarters of Simon. Um, you yeah. know, which, yeah. hey, that you know what? As much as I think that would be really annoying and it travel, it makes travel difficult, I'm not going to complain that they hold it at their headquarters. I actually don't mind that. I it would bother me a lot less if Asmodee ran um, like the U.S. Nationals at the at their headquarters in the U.S. Like that would at least make sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I have no problem with that. So you know, um, no, I'm a little bit nervous that like they they seem to want to run these things at cons which aren't really designed for it. I'm a tiny bit nervous, particularly that's been announced through Germany that like suddenly they'll turn around and say, "Oh, by the way, it's a, it's at Essen." Yes, which I I don't think is a positive thing. You know, like I, I there there are there are events that are run for competitive gaming and there are events that are not, and they are huge conventions, but they're not there for competitive gaming. Um. And, you know, they've shown with things like Gen Con, which isn't widely accepted as being a convention for competitive gaming, that, you know, like, that that's what their tendency is towards because they are a board game company, right? So yeah. they see Gen Con as one of the biggest things in their calendar because it is for a board game company, right? But it's not for competitive tabletop gaming. It, it's not a big thing. Um, Adepticon is bigger on the competitive end of things lgt um sorry lvo is significantly bigger on the competitive end of things even just inside the um inside the us uh and again i just feel like same thing could happen with essen that they're like well essen's a major part of our calendar it's where we do announcements and stuff like that so obviously why wouldn't we run our worlds then it's like well that's not what people to go to essen for no. not what people want to spend all their time at essen doing um so yeah you know, like, who, who, what, where, when? You know, like, honestly, really hoping to hear something else. You know, if we hear something else and we can tell you something else uh, as as respect to the LGT, we will. Otherwise, uh, you know, we're all, we're all here guessing and, and looking for the next uh, bit of information that they give. Mm -hmm. I, was, uh, I was just trying to think of what the equivalent in the UK would be for... Uh, a games event specifically like a, an actual game event um 
what do you mean the uk games expo yeah no uh, uh rather than like the essen side but like at a competitive event right lgt is probably the largest um yeah i mean uh, lgt is the largest 40k event in the world yeah is um is i'm trying to think does salute the one in south london is salute a show or is that more a competitive event because i know that one's pretty big and both. that's more traditional war gamers though um, yeah rather than it's like historical war gaming it's yeah. uh it's it bales con yeah as much as... that's more like the expos then isn't it really um yeah. Yeah, so LGT is probably the equivalent in the UK, unless we get something, you know, and I do think there's probably space for it in the calendar, maybe, but uh, like a massive Birmingham, Birmingham event, like the ones we see for um, Magic and uh, all the various different card games, the the Birmingham Expo for those types of things um, mm -hmm. is, anyone never been to Birmingham or never been to the NEC in Birmingham, it is a <laughs> a center that was literally designed for conventions um uh, it is quite literally almost like the perfect space to hold any form of event um it's nuts uh but yeah so it would be a shame if it's assassin but yeah and to paul and others you know like who you know this has been somewhat followed up of people being like whoa wait is this like a mistranslation or is this an accident or whatever? No, like this is this is intentional. We do like as people have looked it up. They've looked up the German directly. <laughs> they've and there are people who are involved in this event who have somewhat, oh. um, somewhat confirmed that like this is correct. Like they have been told that this is qualification for something bigger. Yeah, I mean, it's worth remembering Ilya in, in chat today. Ilya is literally on the team that is hoping to help organize this. Um, and Ilya is German. <laughs> uh, he, he he does know what he's talking about when it comes to translations. Um, but yeah, it is uh, it is nuts. Uh, someone also pointed out in chat there, um, good spots to Chris Baker in chat. Uh, Carlo. Neutral's not a faction. Neutral's not a faction. Already knew that, yeah. Already yeah. spied. Already spied the lack of neutrals. Confirmed. Um, this meme has. It feels like this meme has run its course and now has become truth. <laughs> um, it's. Uh, we've taken it. We've gone too far. Um, Martel badgeware. Martel. Ah, oh, Martels. They won't be out. When's this? When's this? In July, actually. It's really soon. Yeah. Oh Jesus. It is in July. They've only just announced it uh, last week. It's 31st of July, right? 29th of the 31st. Yep. Um, so, I mean, like 10 weeks. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, no, Martels are definitely not going to be out. It's fine that they've not got the Martel badge. Um... <laughs> interesting, interesting format. It's a 32-player event with a qualifier for the top eight, which is the next day. Don't like it. No. But, but... Honestly, I don't know why Simon and Asmodee um, have such an obsession with this format. Like, it's good. It's a fetish. Stupid. It's definitely a fetish. It, yeah, it feels... absolute fetish. And look, it even says even says below, like, if there's if the 32 fills up, we'll open up another 32-player tournament on the Friday, which will also qualify for the top eight. Like, it... Yeah, I mean... That Just could be... run a two-day tournament, guys. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That what could are be... you doing? 
somewhat <laughs> limited by tour. If they've only got enough space for 32 players, I can understand why they couldn't go beyond that 32 limit and that having an extra day of gaming is, is potentially a solution for that. Um, I don't believe that that's ever correct, though. Um, I've never understood... I've talked with Carlo a lot about this behind Tourney Grounds and things like this, um, and not just Carlo, but many others. I've never understood these top cut things. I've I've never quite understood why he'd have them. But, you know, speaking to him, I for things like 300-player Magic the Gathering tournaments... It makes a fucking lot of sense. Uh, I watch a lot of Magic the Gathering tournaments online, and now I go, yeah, now I know why they need that shit, because you can't filter a thousand players over the course of two days down to one winner without doing that. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it is it is it's understandable for bigger events where the games play out faster as well, but... We're just not a fan of it, are we, Carlo? I don't, do you think it's just a UK thing? Do you think it's just in the UK we think everyone should just play games and yeah? I don't know. I don't know who is a fan of it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like well, uh, I mean, the US what's... a little bit seems to have this idea that it's okay, you know, like but like that's just anecdotal. That's just like they seem to be the only people who defend the format. Uh, so maybe maybe it's a Europe US kind of thing, but. Whatever. I think it, it might it might just be again a carryover from other games. The the thing that the thing that we we've talked about this before actually. Um the big one for us is that surely the game is a celebration of playing the game. As much as it is an event and a tournament, it's about there to in, come together and enjoy the event and enjoy the game and community and still celebrate the game. And yet these cut to tops don't celebrate the game they, they are actively dismissive of players who aren't necessarily the best um and the idea being oh but we can run an alternative tournament no they don't know if they've got anything running alternatively here but this idea that you can run an alternative tournament alongside it um that people can play in instead of having to play this other event is like so you just you're just saying you guys aren't good enough to play with other people play your own thing that's the way i would look at it personally um, it's like, yeah, it's like getting put in the kiddies pool after doing a couple of laps because it's like you're a bit slow, <laughs> you know. Um, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, some yeah. people are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's... but I mean, it, it's uh, it, it's quite. It, it just seems seems like such a weird concept to me in that, like. Um, 32 effectively like requires four five rounds anyway to get to 32 but like if you just made it a 64 player tournament you could resolve it in in its entirety over six rounds which is three rounds the first day three rounds the second way mm -hmm. that is easily easily achievable by a two-day tournament i don't um everybody what i find weird is, is everybody who goes on the saturday is presumably hoping to get to the Sunday, which means that they have to plan their entire weekend around playing for two days. They have to have planned for that. They have to have paid to stay a night for the travel and all these things. Um, and so it's like, why would you then exclude the majority, like 75% of them from them getting from, from playing in the tournament on day two? That's what I just don't get. Um, very, very weird system to see. 
again, I have no problem with the organizers if they've decided that the 32 limit purely based on the location, like they've only got 16 table space or something like that. Like I can understand that, like that is a limitation that in some cases is difficult to work around. Um, you know, literal physical space is a premium. Um, and if you haven't got venues that are available, that can be difficult. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not a, not a kind of thing there. Um, so it is true i mean yeah the um the other thing that gets me a little bit with this is i feel that those type of events or these type of cuts actually work for those uh going back to it con style tournaments right if you're not playing on day two, guess what? You can go and walk around Essen. You can go and walk around Gen Con because you're not playing. Mm. But actually, like, people went there to play, as you say. And actually, Paul says in chat, you know, many players might be out of playing for the big pool. Um, so having a smaller event might suit their needs better. That is true. You know, you can do alternative things that they might find more fun. Um, yeah. Uh, but it's... But it's still, they, you know, they're still there to play the game. Like, they're, they're not going to go along, then not make the top eight, and then just not play on day two. They'll just play casual games or do other things, I'd have thought. Um, or, you know, you're right, you're losing the players to go look down around Gen Con and things like that, which has its pluses, but is not why they came to the event. Um, and yeah, Ilya's saying in chat, they have tables for 32 players. Yeah, you can't escape that if you can't. If you can't host more than 32, you can't host more than 32. Um, yeah, and that's that's just that's just a limit. You can't work around that limit uh, if that's what you've been given at the particular venue or within the event that's being hosted. Um, yeah, and as media hosting lots and lots of side events. Do we know what kind of side events? Any question for Probably you? for all the other games, right? I'm a, I'm a like, if this is an as demos run and event. things like that. Interesting, interesting actually that this is. <laughs> it, what's super interesting is this is an Asmodee run event with Legion, Armada, X Wing, of which Asmodee don't aren't don't own those games anymore, right? Not that Asmodee owns a Song of Ice and Fire. It's just um, the distributor. But like all they... of those have been moved into AMG, right? They definitely Quite distribute Legion still, right? They're still the main distributors for Legion. Yeah, they're the distributors, they, but they're not are the they creators of them. Are they still? Yeah. Um, no, no but they're I not the... So I believe that all the Star Wars rights have been moved over to AMG. Yeah. In which case, they might be just doing it because it's... Because they're the distributor, they might be just running the events on behalf of... It, it's worth remembering, and this is actually quite important for people who aren't aware, Asmodee have divisions in different countries and it does seem from the outside Ilya is actually a very good person to talk to about this um it very much does seem that the different divisions are not similarly responsible in the different countries for the various different aspects of the game so yeah. like Asmodee UK is actually relatively responsible for a song of ice and fire in the UK but they just don't give a shit. Um, 
Whereas Asmodee US are literally independent from Simon in the way that they run the game. Like Simon does all the running of the game in the US. Whereas there isn't a Simon UK division at all. Asmodee UK run it all. Um, I imagine the same is France and Germany as well. Whereas actually Asmodee who do the running of the events and stuff instead of Simon. Um, MG is a daughter of Asmodee. Not kind of, maybe. Mm. It got bought, right? They own it, I think. Yeah, I think true. Are, I mean, like, Asmodee, yeah, is right. It's right. Asmodee, if, As Asmodee chose to move all those games from Fantasy Flight games, right? Fantasy yeah. Flight games is, is the ones you don't technically run it anymore. I mean, yeah. I did see sort of like misspeak when I said that, like, Asmodee don't run it anymore. But yeah, it, it is right that Asmodee own it. AMG and they own um, Fantasy Flight. So yeah, it's not a Fantasy Flight tournament anymore. So I guess I mean, sure. sure. It, Asm Asmodee, Asmodee are murky and opaque and uh, who, knows, who knows what they are. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it is what it is. Um, do you know what I like though? There's actually some good news behind this after all. Right, and those of you who that are paying attention and looking on the screen or have looked on the site already, it is actually being run through stats. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, Ilya's spoken to me a couple of times about little different things, and probably spoken to Carlo on and off about it as well. No, yeah, he will, he will do because <laughs> uh, he asked me a question <laughs> last night, and I said that's a question for Carlo. Um, so uh, yeah, hopefully that'll get sorted soon. But um, it's. Uh, yeah, they're running through the stats site, um, which means yeah. that we are going to see effectively Asmodee somewhat indirectly supporting the stats site um, at the event, which... Asmodee, is... yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, like, we'll, yeah, I mean... We'll believe it when Simon, we'll believe it when Simon do it. But, yeah, exactly. Uh... <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. It's... Uh... It's it's not a huge thing, but it's a step in the right direction for the site. Um, and, you know, I, in the nicest yeah, possible sense, in, in my head, it's good for the game. Because, it's again, that transparency that we've asked for multiple times is just there. There's no, you can't lie. That's just what happened at the event. The narrative is there. If you want to read it, you can go and ask the people the right questions. There's none of this, uh, I turned up and there was one person and then we just swept the event under the rug and pretend it didn't happen. Because uh, that happens. <laughs> um, Brian says it well in chat, A Song of Ice and Fire Life is so much better with stats. I mean, there are there are, there are events that run on stats that uh, get one entrant and oh, yeah. uh, get swept under the rug. Yeah, there are. <laughs> I sweep, I sweep them under the rug. I go and look, and if you haven't closed the event and it's got one entrant, I just delete the tournament. <laughs> yeah, but I, I have a feeling because it is an open piece of information. People can literally look at that and go, "Well, that event didn't run." But, but, but like, you don't, you don't have events that run like that. You know, that's what I mean. It's hard to, it's hard yeah, to explain I what I meant. But, um, yeah, uh, everything else is pretty standard. I did read through this the other uh, the other day when it came out. There is nothing here that is um, out of order. You know, there's nothing here that I kind of looked at and went, what the fuck? Um, it's all just very standard, uh, very straightforward, nothing 
weird rules. Um, they did make the interesting decision, which I essentially do agree with, that the PDF takes precedent over War Council. Um, in the case of mm, piss poor management um, of Simon. Uh, but yeah. Um... <laughs> and yeah, I mean, Ilya's right. Yeah. yeah. As in... It's not official support. <laughs> you, de you definitely said something along the lines of <laughs> as a day support. I well, said, yeah. let, let, let's at least see if Simon even want to uh, recognize it. But no, but I mean, like, uh, I, I actually, you know, this is forget the word official support, forget the word anything like that, right? Like, that they posted a link on Asmodee is a monumental step forward over some of the interactions that's been had between myself and Simon in the past, where they have actively endorsed everybody involved in something except me. <laughs> so, you know, it's a step forward. It is. Um, and actually, I mean, is it... What's actually super interesting, um, Ilya saying that, like, Asmodee basically saw it fit to use whatever tool they saw fit, that in itself, in my opinion, is a good precedent to have from an organizational standpoint. They don't know, you know, Asmodee, let's, let's be brutally honest, Asmodee probably don't know stats exists, or don't, aren't really, they're not aware, right? Um, so if they're just willing to say... Uh, can we use this site or can we can we use a tool to a community tool to run the event and they go yeah sure go for it like that enough is actually them saying that's fine whereas some not like simon have ever actually done it you know but simon don't actually say yes do it whatever they literally just don't interact with that statement <laughs> um which is a bit different um Paul asks how long till uh, I sell the site to Simon and retire as a millionaire. Uh, how do you know I'm not already a millionaire, Paul? Those are the real questions. It's actually <laughs> it's actually super funny because I know Carlo's not a millionaire, so <laughs> mainly because he would Paul. have already retired. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. How many more years is it? Is it three more years? Retirement. It's supposed to be one. One. Oh shit! Up here. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't happening. Simon. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. Oh dear. <laughs> um, Brian saying only saying that Boston Swords had a ten-man event yesterday that wasn't on stats. I took it with three wins for Mance and his mammoth. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, Brian, it wasn't on stats, so the event didn't happen. You may have been there. I, I mean, I, I believe it did happen, and I've heard, <laughs> I've heard a number of people oh, God, had a hissy yeah. fit there. So, like, yeah. So, I mean, this is is a bit off topic. Uh, some of the patrons um, were at the event. Uh, so, Panzer Harris um, and the Tane, I believe, were there. Um, mm -hmm. I think the Tane was there. I think yeah, he was, I've, right? I think he was. I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're patrons on uh, Song of Ice and Fire stats. Um, and he basically he just randomly dropped a thing in there after we'd been chatting and he was like so yeah two local players have separate tantrums and storm out which i've literally never seen that happen i've never seen an a song of ice and fire player get 
angry to the point of not playing. I've seen people get frustrated with a ruling or a little bit frustrated of a dice roll and things like that. But like quite literally be like, nah, I'm done. I've never seen that. I've seen people quit a game effectively, right? Yes. Like yeah. resign a game which they were already gonna lose. Yeah. They might not have like necessarily been crushed. Um but 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 like they were gonna lose by a point or two and then a rules interaction comes up or like something happens or like there's some kind of argument with their opponent a rule goes not their way they have to get a third party involved and third party's like no that's not how it works you know you're wrong and they're like oh that's like ruined my whole game i quit do you know what i mean but like they quit like the game i've never seen somebody quit the event so <laughs> yeah and even people quitting the game is rare right um yeah, happen. I mean that, that that's that's still rare. Like, yeah, you know, I I mean, as much as some some of these like, I really want to know the dirt on how that went down, and oh, gossip, 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 you know. I also kind of just kind of want to go. All right, fair enough. Move on. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think um... what. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, Brian says weird events he got most boring uh, after making yeah, no, I, I think that um, it, it's quite interesting in that like um, the, I think the UK competitive community is getting pretty closely knit in terms of like you can reckon like there, there is maybe maybe at most like a third or a half of each tournament are people that you've not seen before you you know that who don't travel to further events yeah but the vast majority of people at events that i see that i that i meet there are every other event they're not everyone but you know i've seen them before i know their names i know i know their faces i know their stats names and the thing is that's really important about that is that people have to hold themselves to a higher standard because they're going to be seen again. Like, you know, you can't... If you rage quit, people are going to talk about it. Do you know what I mean? And, like, yeah. and, and, and people will know you by reputation as, like, not an enjoyable player to play against um, and these kind of things. And I think that that closeness means that people just, you know, they don't act like that. They, they act in a very, uh, a very good manner. And not, not that that's specifically unique to the uk but it can be different online right like even though the online community is is not huge and every nearly everybody online does know each other it's when somebody who's like new to the community in that way maybe maybe these players are like local players uh who don't interact with the community as at large and stuff like that and then they come in and then they're like just shocked by something, right? They're shocked by the way rules are played. They're shocked by something that's going on. Mm -hmm. And that, if they don't have that belief that the way they act matters to people, then that like social contract is all just breaks down. And, uh, and, I, and I think that um, that's unfortunate. Like, uh, I, I think it's really, really unfortunate when people aren't involved in the community mm -hmm. um, in that kind of way. But I think, I mean, just looking... I've just gone to War of the Wall, for example, which is coming up this weekend, right? Um, okay, this is an event technically hosted by yourself, Carlo, you know, at our local kind of games club. So, yes, I'm more likely to know the local players at this event. Um, but, like, 
the dead meta guys are the dead meta guys like james james richard is probably the only one that i've not had much interaction of the the uh the dead meta guys but all of the rest mm. of them i know like harbo lee um obviously alan and shane uh and so like i know them there's obviously hilo duggars um then you've got the nrg guys uh obviously tim whitney's coming up if anyone who doesn't know tim whitney you're not a uk player if you don't know tim whitney <laughs> he does painting uh i say painting it's not really painting you should really call it like works art. of art he does art <laughs> yeah art on models yeah um paul whitehead who is a relatively unknown player up until late but has been attending a lot of events you know he's one of the uh Lydas legion guys from leeds um and has really kicked the community off there so he's a relatively prominent member in the leeds community and he's now traveling to events um you know all of these players i th there is literally not a player at the event who i don't know uh, and i'm on relatively first-hand name terms with now okay yes that's a local event for us but vast majority of the people coming to the event will probably know the vast majority of the others coming they just won't know the likes of um uh the likes of we've got a local guy called chris who doesn't play in events that often he only plays in things that we do so they won't know him they won't know uh john you know if john's playing i can't remember if john's playing <laughs> um so they're less likely you know to know those players but they're the local players they're the players who don't travel um mm -hmm. so it's reasonable as a couple but yeah the vast majority of the competitive scene is very even if it's not close-knit they all know each other um so i think that like Obviously, there are local players to our club who don't who don't travel to events. Um, that's not obviously like some clubs. Everybody will travel, but most clubs yeah. will be some who do and some who don't. But even that, like you know, somebody from a from a club means that like you you have a connection to the community. If some yes. of your players travel to events, if some of your players are known, even if they're just known on TTS. Some of them are just active in the community. And uh, what I've always found weird about Boards and Swords is unless unless I'm wrong, then like there are people that I just don't know who are in and around. Boards and Swords have always had events. Like before COVID, they were one of the biggest places running events because they're central to the UK. It's quite easy for them to draw a bigger crowd than somewhere up north like we are or somewhere far down south. They kind of lose out on like the the willingness of people to travel that far. But when you talk about people that I've maybe never met at Just Play or never met at Chance for Bunker or or never met at Leonidas Legion, that I've met somebody from that club means that there's a chance that like there's 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 some kind of like common ground there that there's some kind of knowledge um, that we will play the game to a certain standard. What's weird about Boards and Swords is, is that there is nobody in that store, despite its past strength and its past role in the community, that seems to be active in the community as a whole, which I've always found very strange. Uh, and I, it's interesting because I have no idea how, how, and forget stats, you know, I'm talking about like the Discord community or like the community around the UK or the European community. I have no idea how you're supposed to reach these players and integrate them into the community and like help to grow the game in that kind of way because you can consider two types of growth right you can you can consider the game in terms of like our club could bring in 
three new people, four new people, whatever. We it could double in size even. <laughs> but it's not brought that many people in. But if you can bring a whole nother club into the sphere of the game, then that's what really helps to grow it and helps to push it forward. If you can make them aware of the larger kind of active community going on, that's how it will stay active and stay growing. Well, but I mean, I, I have no idea how you're supposed to reach out to these people, like how, how, what would make them want to interact. Um, and, it's, and it's an interesting thought because to me, I've, I never really interacted with any community in the past before A Song of Ice and Fire. You know, I, I played 40k for many, many years, Warhammer Fantasy, many, many years, all sorts of Warhammer games, non-games workshop games. Never once did I bother to become active in those communities like it just didn't interest me i just played the games at my own club and inevitably it always led to me getting bored of the game and the people that i get to play against and leaving what's what's actually super interesting is that this is exactly you know the almost like the weird discussion and the weird way that you know we got into a song of ice and fire as big as the, in as big as we did um after the initial hype in our club, right? It was the um, it was NRG specifically meeting Daryl and and Scott, and them actually wanting to run events in the northeast. And it was like, yeah, we could run an event in Durham. That's cool. We'll, we'll do that. You can come along and try this thing out. And we met them that way, and we did other things, of course, with them as well. Um, but that was through you going to um, like a, another local play area, right? And they just happened to be there playing the game, and it was like, oh, right, cool. Um, met people that way and then like the dmg guys the dmg guys we met kind of almost randomly again through nrg but the dmg guys ended up creating you know through aaron and at the time bruce doing their own stuff on youtube and it was like oh look there's some more some by some fire players who are kind of just down the road really in the grand scheme of things um you know and, and as a result i'm not going to sit here and say that we're super close to the dmg guys but like it's got to the point now where we're going to events, you know, we'll have banter with them all the time because that's, they are, you know, the closest club to us, basically. Um, and they have a lot of members and they're growing constantly. Um, and that's effectively like what was us, then the guys up at Northern Realms, then became Durham War Games, Northern Realms, and then DMG. And it's like, it, if we doubled in size and then we doubled in size again, in terms of our communities and then obviously the online and everything blew that out of the water but the point still remains it was those communities joining together is what made us actually have significant growth whereas the player base if we think about it carlo what we've had three new players four if you count like philip and amy i guess um maybe five joined the game since we started <laughs> that's it mm -hmm. <laughs> um mm -hmm. in our actual local area so yeah, I, I do think it's a big thing. Uh, what's actually more frustrating, and the bit that I don't really understand, specific, and this is specifically with Boards and Swords, is Boards and Swords actually um, one of the main guys there. It's uh, Rob. Um, seems like a nice guy. Uh, has run events on stats before. Has run a Song of Ice and Fire events. And even did a Song of Ice and Fire digital events during the, the, the COVID lockdown. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like He is aware, although he's a store owner, he's not going to be super integrated um there are players in those communities that are very much aware of the wider community but i also get the impression that 
what they've actually done at the store is a really good thing. I think it's a really, really good thing. They have generated a local community that plays games together. And Boards and Swords becomes the conduit of what game are we playing this week rather than what community are we actually invested in? And that's, you know, that that's that's a little bit unfair because the likes of Chris FNM, I know he's quite a relatively big player at Boards and Swords. He goes a lot, I believe. Um, and he's very active in the community. Oh. I believe, was... yeah. Okay. I believe, so I, 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 believe mean, Chris... I had no idea that Chris FNM was from Boards and Swords. Yeah, well, you know, I don't like, know if he, I don't I'm know if he works. I'm obviously very aware of he, I know his involvement in the community and his, yeah. and his models and work. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I had no, you know, I, I, anyway. I did often wonder where the hell Chris FNM was from. <laughs> um that's chris baker i do uh, i do believe might be uh he might be i might be wrong feel free to correct me chris but um but i do believe that he's based in that area at least um so it might be his local store i don't know yeah weird one it, but interesting i mean um i mean if if i'm getting it right from brian um you know it it was only a 10 player event though Yep. And we can name a number of people. Brian, Steve, I think Paul Aiden was possibly Guessing, there. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, some players from uh, Daventry, uh, the people who ran uh, um, yes. uh, Panzer Harris. Um, and I, I believe he went with somebody else, but maybe I'm just getting that wrong. You know, that's five players from the known community, <laughs> which means, well, that's only five left. From the from from the, from what seems like the local community, yeah. Um, so that's definitely not what it used to be, or 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 their events aren't being as widely advertised and aren't being as widely attended as they used to be. The first event that I went to at Boards and Swords was a thirty-player event. Mm-hmm. Cole went, not uh, Paul, and Chris is from Sheffield. No, so I'm clearly quite wrong. I just know I know you go to the Boards and Swords. Uh place uh events quite a lot two of the three world tournaments i've done yeah so yeah he just happens to go to the ones in uh all the ones hosted by them quite often yeah no um the weird one it's a very yeah, weird i mean one. It, it's it's interesting you know i i honestly i honestly didn't know the event was running like you know i i had heard mention of some people that they were going to boards and swords um I didn't know what weekend it was on or when it was. Or uh, is Duncan Rhodes a Boards and Swords member? Mm. Uh, maybe doesn't Duncan? Duncan currently lives in Scotland, though, right? No, I don't believe so. Maybe not. I don't know. I always thought he did for some reason. I don't know. I don't know. Let's move on. on. Yeah, move that on. It would be a weird stalking moment for Duncan Rhodes being like, ooh, where does he live? No, um, right. Uh, anyway. That's a very active US map. It is a very active US map. I feel like it's it's a lot less uh, east-west coast centric than it has been in the past. Uh, It's a bit sporadic. That's a lot. Yeah, which, you know, is great. Haven't seen that much use down, you know, in the more southern central U.S. states, I don't even know what the Ameri- what do the Americans call 
you know, that that whole southeast kind of region. Southeast? Do they call it southeast? As in, like, towards Florida and stuff? Yeah, but, you know, not quite the actual Florida peninsula, like, the, so the, like, the bit... Yeah, like, wh- this is whatever. Missouri, LA, like... Yeah, this Tennessee, you know, Atlanta. What, what's that? What's all... Georgia. What, what's all this called? The 13 colonies, isn't it? <laughs> 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 no. Um, the Gulf Coast. South, the southeast is the Gulf Coast, so this is all the Gulf Coast, which makes a lot of sense because it's on the Gulf of Mexico. Um, and then is it like they? I obviously call it East Coast, but like yes, yeah, the Atlantic Seaboard, isn't it? Yeah, basically? the South is the Southeast because the West is the whole of the West Coast and uh, the Deep South. There yeah, you go. Yeah, oh. deep, right, deep South, maybe it's the South. Today um, I learned. <laughs> So Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, yeah. So this is the yeah. This this is actually, if you think about it, when when someone says the South, this is where you think of, isn't it? You do think like New Orleans, Texas, to some extent. Um, yeah, it's great. You know, really yeah. good to see. Um, yeah, no, it's really good. Uh, it would be. I mean, what I always find is interesting is we have quite a few things kind of crop up in New York, but I was surprised at how little between New York and like kind of the South Carolina, Georgia area we get. We get nothing here. I don't think I've ever seen an event in Washington or like around Philly and things like that. Nope. nope. No. Never heard of anything around Raleigh or Charlotte or anything like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> James. No, no, James. <laughs> <laughs> there are many players who I'm sure uh, would di- disagree with that. The Carolinas. Yeah, the Carolinas. Um... <laughs> oh, dear. That's very much a, 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 a. Yeah, we'll try not to piss off any more Americans than usual. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can I say. I, I'll make some American friends, right? And piss off everyone else in the world. Isn't this just a North America bit? Isn't this just America? Isn't this just the US? <laughs> well, you were correct up until you said US. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I had to keep on, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Terra lives at Fit Unit next to Philly. As in, like, next-door neighbours to Philly. Fair enough, Terra. Um, you have to go to Mythicos. Holy shit, really? Wow. So, Philly going to New Jersey just That's to play sad. games. Yeah. How has Philadelphia not got a games club that plays a song of Ice and Fire? That's nuts. I mean, well, anyway, which we've gone down a rabbit hole there that I did not mean to go down. Um, so... We there are also, there are also, there are also since as we since we're looking at the map, there are also a couple of events which I'm not I'm not sure if they're trolls or not. I haven't quite looked at them. There's there's one down in the <laughs> in Mauritius next to Madagascar <laughs> at reunion. I think that that's not really happening. <laughs> <laughs> there's but there's there's one in middle of the Med. Uh, I'm not even sure what island is that. Ibiza. No, it's uh, Palmer. Palmer. Yeah. That's Is that one real, do we think? Um, Could be. You know what? I'm going to say yes. We had, we, had, we, had, uh, we had those events in Malta for a while, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think the Malta community seems to have moved away from the game. They seem to have, like, a real flash in the pan. It's quite interesting, actually. You know, they, they came in. They, 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 they're really interested in 
um, like the TTS scene, they're really interested in pushing the game forward in terms of like its professionalism, right? Like yeah, they they, yeah. they were really they were really they they ran a TTS event with prize money. They like put the prize money in. It was free to enter. There was all sorts of stuff going on. They they really wanted it to be much more competitive, much more on the scale of what like Games Workshop games can achieve. Um, and then when like the game wasn't ready for it effectively, I, th- I feel like they moved away from the game. Like they just moved on to a different game. Um, but there was a store there called Gold on Dice. Um, anybody who's been here for long enough will recognize that name. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, it, it's sad that maybe the game or the community or like whatever wasn't ready for it. Um, and that those guys felt they didn't get enough back. Um, and so moved on to a different game, I think. It's interesting because this made me uh, made me think about them as a as a place. So they hosted their annual, uh, so yearly a Song of Ice and Fire tournament in September of last year. Um, I don't know if that's something that we were aware of at the time. I feel like we may have been. But that did run in September. September last year, they had a, a Song of Ice and Fire event. I mm-hmm. don't... It looks familiar. There's some guys drinking outside, like drinking beer outside and it looking sunny. I do vaguely remember pictures like that. Um, but yeah, actually, it's also possible, Terra, that, yeah, like yeah. It, that the distribution which also may be particularly bad to get it to Malta. Uh, well, I mean, it's also worth noting. I mean, I do... This is actually quite interesting. Gold on Dice Events hasn't even put a post up since September 2021. Mm. So that's the events that they're running. Um, so it might be that the player who ran the events has backed out of the game or is not as yeah, into possible. the game as he was. Um on their Facebook page. Um, I'll have a little look. Um, see if I can get anything back on that. And you know what? I might even drop a couple of messages over to see to see if it's still going. Because if it is still going, it would be nice to hear from them. Um, seeing what they're up to. So, yeah. Uh, was it Malta that really strict COVID regulations? Probably. I mean, because the UK slash Europe, we've had some really dumb COVID regulations at points. There was a point where Italy, you weren't you weren't allowed out of your house basically at all. Um, whereas I know we we had this thing where you wish, you shouldn't really go outside, but everyone did anyway for walks and stuff. Um, whereas Italy went like full lockdown, didn't they? At parts in northern Italy, I believe. Well, I mean, Italy was the first place to get it in Europe. Yeah. But they had a third, I mean, the, the second wave of it, they had, like, full-on mm-hmm. COVID lockdown, didn't they? Proper, like, curfews and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, find out more about that. Uh, I will ask you a couple of questions, see where that leads to. Um, but yeah, so, uh, what we were actually going to talk about, eventually got there, is all the champions. Yeah? There's some bit events mm-hmm. that have won. Now, uh, we're going to go look at three events in my head. 
um, not through events in my head. Don't look at events that go on in my head. That would be a mistake. Uh, we're going to look at welcome to 2022. Look at the stats from that. Um, we're going to look at uh, the ongoing um, invitational, which we wanted mm -hmm. to talk about. Um, and what was the other one that we were going to mention? I forgot. Probably some other tournament that you're doing well in, Mickey, yeah? No, 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 no. It's got nothing to do with me doing well. <laughs> it's purely <laughs> because... Ones... Mickey just wants to point out that Mickey won a tournament. Mickey is still in a tournament, and uh, there's this other event that I'm going to. <laughs> well, maybe oh, you'll dear. think of it. Where is it? This one? That was the thirty. No, we looked at that last week. That was the thirty point. That was the thirty point starter box event. Was there anything you wanted to mention of that? We looked at that a bit last week. Um... No, no. Did you actually? Not, did you look not... at the results? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, Starks went uh, undefeated <laughs> across three players, right? If yeah. I'm right. Great, John. Yeah. Just killed everyone. <laughs> um, only, um, only Starks. The, the Starks only lost to Starks. Yeah. Uh, and Starks came one, two, and four, or something like that. Yeah, I think if I remember did. rightly. Yeah. Um, one, two, and six, uh, six by tiebreakers. Six, but yeah, like you know, the Stark loss is in a is in a Stark mirror. Um, yeah. You know, like what? Not what I would have put my money on. I don't think. Uh, you know, but uh, yeah, yeah. Particularly, maybe not Great John. I would have thought that like uh, Grey Wind and his activation would uh, would would be useful. But yeah, mm -hmm. and yeah, Dan. Unfortunately, he's now been upgraded to Little Mickey One Cup. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that last week. I just mentioned that that event was over. It's not about looking at what won. It's about looking at what did well, right? Because that is the largest event we've had on the site for a while at 44 players. So if anything is indicative of what is going well in the meta and where the meta is leading us to, mm -hmm. that event is probably the biggest tell. Um, that doesn't mean it's the best, of course. Um, the whole point of the ELO rankings is exactly for that. Um but it's certainly a good and interesting place to look at for meta discussion being the biggest event. Um, so in terms of the stats, um, what's actually super interesting is Targaryen actually topped the event with the highest number of wins. Um, mm -hmm. Now, for what little it's worth, Free Folk did have Free Folk and Starks specifically, those two factions because of the double final that needed to happen, they actually have one more game than any of the other factions had access to. Um, but even then, you know, 60% free folk is very good um, across the, not just myself playing, you know, other players playing it in the event too, um, which is pretty good. Baratheon and neutrals just... Yeah, not sure about, not... not sure about that Barra, but, you know, I mean... Barra, Lannister, Barra, Lannisters, and Neutrals all do so badly that they allow everybody out of Stark, Greyjoy, Night's Watch, Free Folk, and Targ to all have like positive win rates, all be significantly above fifty percent, and all just be grouped together as like, well, these these factions have done very well. Mm. Um, I don't think that there's a clear standout there, and I think that that's very indicative of the meta. Mm -hmm. um, interesting that Barras didn't do that well in the event. Um, that's actually I... the standout, if anything, is that Barras were way lower than we'd have thought they'd be. 
given their yeah you know like people people have been saying that they are the new terror or something uh, and that you know low activation barrier is 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 still is some kind of meta breaker you know real big changer i i am still of the opinion that a, a higher quality opponent who understands activation control better that a low activation barriers aren't aren't a thing aren't a problem yeah. like i I've played low activation barrier now, admittedly, you know, is against a less experienced player. It's against a player who I would expect to win with most matchups. I have lost to him before. You know, he, he's not he's not trash player at all, right? <laughs> but I would expect to win, but the low activation barrier, it did scare me a little bit because it is so strong, you know, like it, like the actual units, the reality of them, they are so powerful that like things definitely could go wrong for me. Things de like I might be like, right, yeah, I could get a kill here, and then just like got zero wounds, right? Because they just like two up save everything or whatever, whatever goes on. But the reality of it for me is, is that it doesn't win repeatedly if your opponent understands how to play the mission around it, how to minimize its strengths. Um, that's my opinion, though. You know, like, if in any one game I saw somebody playing low activation barriers against me, I would not feel comfortable. No. But I also personally would never take it to an event because I do not think that it can win four or five games in a row against good opponents. I think the, the, the telling sign for me was the way we have a guy, uh, Phil, who's relatively new to the game uh, in our club, and he played uh, effectively a low activation barrelist. Um, massive fan of Champions of the Stag. And I saw him playing against uh, Dan this is a couple of weeks back. And uh, Dan, who we uh, play with a lot, Dan lost to it. Um, but the thing that, you know, I don't sit here and say, oh, Dan, that was shit, you know, or you know, he made mistakes or anything. I just looked at it and went, like... Well, you do, because Dan's here in the chat, <laughs> and his tagline for you is, Mickey, let me tell you why you lost. <laughs> no. That is, that, is, that is Mickey's big thing at the club, oh. particularly recently. He loves to tell you why you just lost to him. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that's clearly how it comes across, not as how it's intended at all. Um, the uh, The big thing for me was when I watched it happen, I looked at Dan's list and I kind of went, I don't know what he's supposed to do. Like that was actually yeah. the thing. I mean, like, it, 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 it is, it is, it, it is in essence, a, yeah. a low activation barrel list is in essence a skew list. You know, like it, yeah. it is skew. It is armor skew. It is, do you have precision? Do you have ways to get through? Are you running? Scorpions. <laughs> are you running remote damage? Are you running auto wounds? Are you running some kind of panic? thing is is i think though there are lots of ways around it and even if you're running none of those things if you're running some kind of like cheap spam you can also just win by objectives yes uh so i think that it has a lot of counters but it is in essence it is in essence a hard skew list mm. yeah i do do agree. And in the same way that, like, if you bring a panic list and your opponent's gone hard anti-panic, you then you can be in for a bad time. Thing is, is like people haven't and aren't bringing like anti-armor 
And so if they bring armor skew, lots of people can have a bad time because they still see fighting as the only way to win the game. Um, and, 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 and heavy armor, low activation barrows still lean heavily onto the fighting side of the game, so heavily so that even though winning by objectives is nowhere near as easy as it used to be, it's nowhere near as big a problem for the barrows, it's still definitely achievable. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely one of those which I think maybe have seen its limelight. Um, people weren't ready, and it took people by surprise. And now people go, "Ah, oh, well, that's not that too bad." Cole says, "What is skew?" Um, do you want to take it? Sure. <laughs> um, skew is like if. If I basically decide that there's one part of the game where I'm going to beat you in, or um, that that would be one way to think of it, or actually more specifically in my mind, it's one part of the game where I'm going to make any points you've spent on that. So for me, the oldest and original skew was um, one of the hardest skews that ever existed in the game um, was the 1.6 poor fellow spam, right? And this is a skew list because it has almost no armor, which interestingly is a skew, and it has amazing morale. What this is skewing is if you spent any points on something like Sundering, that's worthless because I only have a six plus save. So any six, uh, you know, sundering that you have is a worthless stat. Any precision that you have is basically a worthless stat. And because I have such good morale, basically any anti-morale that you have, vicious is almost worthless. You know, intimidating presence, you know, not exactly worthless, not in the same way that having me having a six of armor makes sundering absolutely worthless. Vicious still has an effect, but the effect will be a lot smaller when I have like a 2 plus 3 plus morale. Still incredibly unlikely to get me to fail my morale. So skew more specifically isn't that I'm leaning into one thing very heavily. For me, in my mind, skew is when I make something of yours worthless because I don't give you a single good target to attack with it. Mm-hmm. Um in the modern day, there is there is still some skew, but like morale skew definitely still exists. And by that, I mean like armies that just generally have a very strong morale. So there's nothing out there for you to like utilize your vicious on, utilize your good panic tests on. That's a big problem for a faction like Lannisters who have a lot of their points, a lot of their core deck, a lot of their mechanics and their identity and they're just like battle plan built into getting you to fail panic tests. Mm-hmm. If everything I do has amazing morale, if I'm playing Night's Watch and I have Embolden, or, you know, I'm running Mance Free Folk, and so I have, I'm able to put out a five plus bubble. Effectively, you've got tons of wasted points. Um, Armor Skew says, I have a 2 plus 3 plus wall of armor here. Interestingly, it almost makes panic-based damage 
not worth as much. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Big if, if the armor can stop you from taking any damage at all. Yeah. The armor stops them from taking any damage, then panic never happens. Or effectively, what it really skews against is things that want to kill stuff quickly. Things that want to one-shot anything that somebody's invested in as being like highly mobile and highly aggressive is really shut down by something which is incredibly tanky. I still don't think it's the best skew out there. Um, you know, I still personally would heavily lean into morale skew continuously and no other type of skew because I still just think that there are so many armies live and die by their panic tests and not me. that many armies that live and die by the physical damage that they do. Um, the I think that's actually the most interesting thing for me, because um, as you say, like neutrals and Lannisters, you know, who are arguably the two worst factions in the game right now, um, or one worst faction and, and one ragtag group of people, um, they are panic based um, completely, and they get completely neutered. Um, the big thing there, you know, Lannisters. Lannister's thing is actually not so much generating big panic bombs so much as lots of panic bombs. Like, I like to think of Lannister's a bit of like a cluster missile rather than a, an ICBM or something like that. Um, whereas actually, because everyone's got good morale, the cluster missile, most of it just bounces off. So it's useless. And then you get one through and go, ha ha, I did four wounds. But then other factions go, yeah, but I've just got an ICBM. I'll just nuke you for six. Done. Like, that's just better. Um... So it's like that 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 style of stuff for Lancer Neutrals really sucks. Interestingly, Starks, who came out of the gates in the season one patch as one of the most popular factions and most played, what mm -hmm. do they rely on? Crit blow and rolling lots of dice. Um and strangely enough, what counters that style? Baratheons with high armor. So I do think that the Baratheon Rise is some also somewhat to do with the stark resurgence if you will um and lance and lance yeah, as lance. well you know like yeah. the tully cavaliers are are stark <laughs> but lannisters are leaning more heavily on knights of castle rock but nowhere near what people said that they were going to right yeah. like still people are more favoring played men mm -hmm. than they are like knights of castle rock in general we, I have seen a fair few Lannister armies which run one of each. I've seen more Lannister armies that run two Flayed Men than run two Knights of Castle Rock. And that doesn't mean that the Knights of Castle Rock are in a really, really bad place or anything like that. I do think that they're fine, but the point is is that the game has naturally adapted to Lance like quite quickly. Um, Lance isn't running around one-shotting everything everywhere, even with, even with Great John, that combo, which me and you both said... Surely this is busted. Surely this is going to completely destroy any value in having defense. Um, has not come to fruition because a, a, a unit which has so much defense, like um, like Champions of the Stag, is not one-shottable even by Lance, not where really. you sacrifice another four wounds on top. Like Not, not realistically. It's just the odds are yeah, definitely not in your favor. So, yeah, and then and then the and then the Champions of the Stag. 
are getting their full value. They're getting everything. They're using their survivability. They use their grind. They get engaged and they get to just lock up that Lance Cavalry and win over the long term. Um, and um, yeah, you know, like I, I think that it's a very interesting, uh, interesting place for the game to be. I, I don't think that there's anything. I don't think that there's any particular style which is hyper-dominant. I don't think that there's any faction which is dominant. Um, I think that there's enough scary things out there with morale that I personally want to lean towards playing as good morale as possible, continuously. You know, like, if I can pick an arm, a, a, a unit which has, like, 4+, plus, 6+, plus, or a unit that has a 3+, plus, 7+, plus, I'm taking the 4+, plus, 6+, plus every time, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and if I can bring that down to a five, if I can give it Iron Resolve, then I'm going to, right? Because I think that that is where the game's defensive stats are useful right now. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like, the there is still that lean, but people are clearly doing well with Barras at times, and their high armor is useful for people. Um I think that it also does very, very well into um, Ranger Hunters, right? Like Ranger Hunters who throw volume dice, like really absolute volume dice, and they can chew through cheap stuff, right? Which has always previously been the nightmare of the game. Cheap infantry at four points, 12 wounds. If they can back that up with good morale, call that Mance, call that Poor Fellows, call that trappers whatever you know whatever it is if they can back up having 12 wounds being cheap and having good morale then the only thing that really managed to get value out of that was ranger hunters or something else that can like do this bouncing double tap uh you could maybe say maybe they targaryen veterans but like you know like not not like really dominating them and um and I think that that is hard countered by heavy armor as well, because the volume dice with no real significant keywords really struggles against like a two plus armor, mm-hmm. even a three plus armor. If it can get the flank, things start to get better, but that's not always possible. And and I think that that's super, super, super interesting that we have these spam armies going on. We have these relatively elite um, Night's Watch armies going on. Um, People would have seen that I've played uh, a few games against Teddy recently, and he's also got you know a blog going on. He's talking a lot about his own like re-exploration of proper competitive song, you know, like properly thinking about the game in terms of like I want to win really high end tournaments. I want to be one of the best players in the world again, which takes like a a real step more dedication than being just playing games, right? Like you have to really analyze why you are winning or losing. And he has been, a, he is settled on Night's Watch effectively, and he has been a big user of Ranger Hunters. We played a couple of games which involved like mirror Ranger Hunters. Even, crazily enough, I still think it's one of the best abilities in the game, and I still rely on it. I still think, I think that maybe even something like Relentless is possibly even in a good place. Maybe right now. I still think that it's quite strong. I still think that the Night's Watch Captain particularly is very strong because Boldness and Courage is a very, very powerful ability. But even when we think about the interaction between an extra activation versus having more wounds on the table versus being able to put down another combat drop, playing a real traditional 
5-3 versus playing like a 4-2, which has two more activations on the table through Watch Captain versus the use of solos. All these things, I don't see any standout. I still favor the high activation count. I still favor getting as high as possible all the time, personally. But I don't think that there's any real standout that is like, you must use this. Otherwise, you will lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um... Oh, cool. We'll go through this in a second, um, but yeah, it, I, I'm I'm general of the uh, of the agreement there um, in terms of activations. I do think Relentless is still very good. Um, you know, I do think it's one of the better abilities out there in the game. Um, but I am of I am of the opinion that I, I do agree with you that the loss, if you will, to take Relentless is offset by the kind of gains that it gives your opponent if you you know i know what i mean it's hard you explained it much well, better I mean, for ten, the deployment, for ten the deployment thing watch. is a massive thing like, the 10 points night's watch can bring any one of its main staple seven point units with an extra activation and yeah. boldness and courage right again yeah. this is very very important boldness and courage is a very very good ability but even though they bring two activations and very powerful attacks and also very high activation action, sorry, action economy on top of that, yeah. they can double tap, they can, they can, you know, do all these different things. They only get to deploy one unit yep. and they only bring 12 wounds. Yep. And they are hugely more offset right now than they were in the past. In the past, I was just like, does not matter at all. Activations are the only thing that matters. Um, but because they've managed to make middling units more viable and because they've managed to reduce the effectiveness of some of the cheaper units, um, overall, I think that like sheer wounds on the table is becoming more viable. Um, the, the big thing for me, deployment, um, but also actually the, the way that Relentless works now and, you know, not changed relentless but the kind of lists that it's being faced into nowadays it feels that the decision on when to use relentless is a lot more difficult mm-hmm. um and that that is for me the critical thing like i certainly one of the things i've started to notice is players have to be very careful when they choose to activate versus when they choose to relentless because if they get the order wrong they put themselves onto a line where they can't use the relentless well great Mm -hmm. you've just knocked them down activation um or they put themselves onto a line where their activation ends up being relatively unimpactful or their sort of relentless ends up being unimpactful because they want to do a late round charge that in itself can be punishable because you can then go right well i'm just going to move that unit away that you wanted to charge like yeah. now you just can't do it or now you're not going to get the position you wanted or even I'm just going to charge you first um, because you've come that little bit closer. Um, I, I do think the removal of the ranged attack from the Relentless yeah. um, has has made it way, way, way more complicated to use well. Yes. Right, Like it was such an easy action to take because, I mean, early in the round, if we haven't engaged yet, if there's nothing important to do, 
beating your archers and attacking is Damage. just the go-to thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just hey, well, I'll just waste some time because this won't commit me to anything unless what I'm hoping to do is like retreat when I get attacked or something, yeah. right? But even in that case, when I could have used Relentless to shoot, I can still do something else with the unit, right? So just using it as a delay, which has an attack as well, was very, very powerful and, and very useful. Whereas now you're, you're having to use it to set yourself up for something worthwhile. Um, and it's not always easy to achieve. Um, Unless, interestingly, like if you alt activate by two, then it becomes way more easy to achieve something with it. Um, it being the one activation you have over your opponent can make it really complex to use. Um, so I, I haven't actually looked. I'd be interested to know what the what the numbers of like the super low activation count versus the super high activation count is. Uh, but um, you know, I, I think I think that loads of different styles are viable right now. And um, and that and that's brilliant. That's, mm -hmm. that's really brilliant for the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, the the only other thing I was going to say, uh, in kind of like relation to that, um, you know, in terms of games and in terms of like um, in where we're at with it, I'll go back to the stats for a second. Is we have talked about it before. Uh, now you can't quite see it. Uh, move it up here. It's the, the prominence of certain things, and um, we're always going to see good commanders in the game. We're always going to see things that stand out. You know, saying that there's a, that a faction doesn't have a best commander would just be lying. There will always be a best, or at least mm -hmm. even if they're not stand out. But there are, of course, three to some extent that I think are problematic. Uh, there is a fourth, but we'll come back onto him in a minute. Um, but that's Drogo, Eddard, and Mance. Um, Eddard is by far like, interestingly Eddard and Mance in this particular event, they both have exactly the same win rate <laughs> um, and you know, Eddard is nowhere near Mance's power level, um, but he is by far the best Stark commander um, That's Eddard probably is Mance's level, but the rest of Stark isn't uh, Free Folk um, but yeah Eddard's just good Mance I don't need to talk about Mance. He's just good. And Drogo, for great for for Targaryens. I know you've come out of the car, the Targaryen kind of like mist, and you've passed beyond that now. But it's yeah, they're back in the cupboard. Yeah, <laughs> but he's almost he's almost too good. He's like in, in comparison to the other options, it's like the other options just aren't good enough. Um, there is a fourth, as I say, there's a fourth one to join that list, which is Baylor. I don't. I don't think the Drogo's that good. No, he's. But the thing is, he's not right. He's not that good. It's just in comparison to the others. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, you know, like. I I. I just think that. What What's interesting about Targ specifically is I think that Targ infantry armies are a bit lackluster. It's not yeah. even, even though like no, uh, the units aren't bad. Like they aren't, but it's just you know they even moved swordmasters to seven, right? And pikemen are at seven, and like in isolation, they're both fine units and they're good. And um, 
I, I can't even tell you what's, what's so lackluster about them, but they only have Drogo or Jor. No, or Jorah. <laughs> yeah. Drogo or Drora for their cavalry. And Drogo is better than Jorah. Yes. And so he's really a one of two because they are so heavily leaning into cavalry style, I feel. I've barely seen a single Targaryen infantry army out there. Yeah. Um, and, and they don't perform that well when they are there. You know, they, they don't do badly. Um, we saw Grey Worm, I think, or Dario even. Dario Stormcrow Captain picked up two wins out of two games. Now, that's a tiny little margin played by probably one player. But he didn't do badly. You know, he won his games. Greyjoy, so Barristan went 3-0, and uh, or 0-3, for um, which in comparison is awful on the flip side. But yeah, the, the thing is, the infantry lists aren't even being played. To put to, no, in they're comparison, not, they're, they're not. just not being played. Um, for me, interestingly enough, um, I used to think that the Targaryen deck was good. Mm. I I don't anymore. Like af after having played it, I just don't think that the Targaryen deck itself is very good. So and and even when you think about it like that, it's even worse for infantry. Like yes, what it the only thing that it is good for is cavalry, and it's not that good for cavalry. So, for me, if you were going to play an infantry army, you just wouldn't, you know, okay, maybe some people are Targaryen purists. The Targaryen purists all seem to play Drogo anyway, right? Like, or they, they, they play dragons, or they play something, right? People aren't Targaryen purists for the infantry. And if you were playing them because you thought that they were a good army, you were talking about them competitively speaking, there's not much to sell you on Targaryens when you could play a different faction if you wanted to play infantry. Yes. They, and so they... I think that's what leads to Drogo being so dominant as a pick. And 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 I think that it's it, it's a bit of an issue that he is possibly also the strongest commander. But I think that it's only possible. It's just that he fits the faction in a way that no other commander does. The the big thing, you know, and season one saw this a little bit but i think people went a kind of you mentioned the unsullied swordmasters as a player who doesn't play that much targ not since a long time i've not played targ since 2021 really much um i enjoyed targeting 1.6 not gonna lie when they were shit before the dragons i actually enjoyed nimble outrider spam kind of like screamer screens and stuff like that i think it had play it was interesting the drogo stuff doesn't interest me that much anymore and the unsullied the Unsullied coming down to seven points straight away did not bother me whatsoever because they didn't change. The unit being expensive was never really the problem. It was the functionality it always had. It never did anything at eight, and I didn't believe it was going to do anything at seven either. Now, if you made it five points, then it can do nothing at five points. That's fine. Or five, do nothing at four points. That's fine. But doing nothing at seven is not really any different to doing nothing at eight. And if it's not doing anything, then why are you paying points for it? Um, the 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 minimum I feel that you can get to is six. If you're paying more than six for something, it has to achieve a job in the game. Uh, at six, you could arguably say it wasn't a good matchup for that particular unit, or it it might have just done something small that wasn't that important. And at five and four, you can just be like, 
that's just for the list that's they, they make the list do its thing um and yeah yeah target target infantry just sucks mind you that being said maybe maybe not enough of them run uh tag yeah, stormcrow infantry stormcrow merc mercenaries everywhere um maybe that's what we want uh so yeah it's uh yeah it is what it is um i think what's interesting about that list though um that even Lannisters is a very small, very small percentage, but Bruce, Bruce Lannisters, seventy percent. Yep. Where where did the highest Lannister finish finisher finish? Uh, it was would have been WAP, I imagine, yeah. who came fourth with uh, four and one. Yeah, four and one. You know, going that even even the worst faction. The worst thing that's actually a faction is still, you know, still viable. He went for Roos every game except his first with Tyrion. Um into a into a Drogo list of all things. Um so it is always sad that Roos is the best the best Lancer commander out there. Ah, uh, you know, like it, it's not like he's a you know he's he, he fits the theme. Like it's almost lore it's lore it's lore acceptable. But it is a little bit sad at the same time that Tywin is so bad. <laughs> yeah. Like that that is sad. Um Yeah. Anyway. Um we were gonna talk about um talk about not just this event, but gonna talk about other events. But actually, I mean Gru said it in chat and I did notice it about twenty minutes ago. Um but I was gonna wait for it. because uh, this is actually news. News. Right? Because we never changed off that screen. EU National Championships post by Simon today has just gone up. Um, thank you all for the great response from the community to our announcement of the EU National Champion events happening in 2022. We have been overwhelmed by the response from communities all over the EU region and we're excited to add a few new entries to the EU National Championship schedule for 2022. So, Let's see what we've got. We've got Moderna play in Italy on May 20th. So that's the Italian Nationals, which we've mentioned before, happening with the House of Orcs um, and the, the guys over there. Obviously, we chatted with those guys uh, three weeks ago. I want to say it's three, maybe four weeks ago. Um, go check out the episode from back then when we chatted to them about the event and all the stuff they're doing in, in prep for Italian Nationals. Um, and they said, we've sent over over $1,000 in US dollars in retail product as prizes. So, awesome. Get yourself over there. Carlo, you're going to be happy here. As a reminder, the UK National Championships in London is coming along well, and the hosting groups, Northern Realms Gaming and A Song of Ice and Fire Stats, are putting in great work with their local community and exciting event later this year. Be sure to check out the details October 1st. We've had Tabletop Warden and the Bedburg Tabletop Freud EV, um, along with Asmodee DE talking about the German national event there. Um, no mention of the World Cup in those statements there by Simon, uh, just the German nationals. Um, ah, yeah, so yeah, that, yeah, no, that's the talking about that yeah uh they've also talked about the french national championship the one happening in bordeaux that's been run by la bar uh Atteo. i am of the opinion that um 
at some point we shall ask a member of the French community, probably Galanfil, I know he watches the show, uh, to come on and talk about that. Uh, maybe he's talked to some of the other guys who, who are running that event. Maybe get them on here and chatting. Um, because it's nice to hear from communities, isn't it? Um, Polish distributor, War Factory, they will be organising the Polish National Championship later this year and will update us with more details as soon as things are set. Now, I will I'll straight up say this. That is a good thing. It is a great thing that a song of Ice and Fire Poland is being recognised. Um, it's it's great. I am I'm, I'm I'm happy. Um, I don't know about you, Carlo. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's awesome that mm -hmm. uh, the, the the activity of the Polish communities being recognised and um, and that there'll be a Polish Polish nationals. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, the last bit. We're honoured to be able to let the Song of Ice and Fire, the Miniatures Game Community, know that the champions for these events happening around the world will be the first to qualify for our A Song of Ice and Fire Tabletop Miniatures Game Tournament of Champions, currently planning for 2023. Each of our 2022 national champions around the world will be qualified for this event. This will include US and EU champions, as well as Asia-Pacific champions, um, whose the events apparently planned later in the year in 2023 um and they have said there that they're going to crown their first world champion next year so simon have announced it now it's a bit weird that it's in small print at the bottom and not bolded and like actually like part of this like event thing that they're like oh by the way we're running an NL world championships which all these things are now part of um but you know that thing earlier, Carlo? I think if they led with the World Championships, then they would have had to give more details. Yes. Yeah, so, maybe, maybe. I mean, like, uh, yeah. You know, there's the official announcement. It's not, uh, it's not a mistranslation. Yeah. Not, uh, and, and, and I guess, yeah, that, that's, that's what I was asking for, which is there is some more clarification, which is that all these, all these national events, and interestingly, whether or not they mean it, because in the German one, it said high finishers. And here it specifically says winners. Um, so um, interesting that I, I, we'll find out exactly maybe, you know, closer to the time, how many spots get offered out. Um, but yeah, there, there, there you go. If you're a national championship, you are looking to become qualifier for a world championship. Uh, in, I... I not to change the whole subject, I'll be very interested to know how successful the um, participation in the US Nationals is based off of its qualification-based criteria. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like how they will expect to run this Worlds and whether or not they will be providing, you know, help to get these players to this event. Because, um, you know, the vast majority of people, if, if these people are going to play in these different national events, and then congregate in a single physical location, there's going to be a huge amount of travel involved, of course. Um, so I think that, you know, like if you expect a high percentage of the invited players to turn up, they really might need to offer help uh, to these players. Um, so 
hopefully, hopefully it's uh, it's all. Uh, we seem to have a lot of uh, bot spams today in chat, uh, know, right? and I'm not talking about Marlin. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, I think big, big news, big news. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's uh, it's good news, right? It's good news. Um, it is going to be hopefully amazing if it runs uh, in the way that we hope it runs. Um, and I'd be super interested. Um, I'd be super, super interested how they determine players attending. Um, I I very much hope that they come up with an attendance system or a qualification system sooner rather than later. Um, mainly because uh, you know people know what they're playing for. Um, is it going to be top two, top three, top four, top one? Um, is it just going to be top one, in which case the event's going to be like eight people big, maybe slightly more like 10, 12? Um, are certain countries going to get extra spots because they've had this regional, international, inter-world qualification thing? Um, that will, not going to lie, that would not be pleasant, um, especially knowing that you know some, some of those events, certainly like Bordeaux and the LGT, where attendance is over a hundred players is going to be quadruple the size of what is currently us nationals i believe they've got 22 players qualified um you know it, i'm not going to be particularly happy if they turn around and say oh yeah and four, top four from every event go and you're like we were like five times bigger <laughs> like that's yeah i think it's also interesting um whether or not you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> just see Tim. Um, <laughs> uh, I also think um, I would be incredibly surprised, right? Like I would be really genuinely surprised if they put in any kind of um, basically national requirements, right? Like mm -hmm. if they turn around and said, it's the top X. UK yeah. national finisher at the UK nationals, right? That would be a very weird weird stipulation i wouldn't expect them to add that and yet in a lot of ways you know like that's sort of in place at the u.s in that like it's very very difficult for anybody outside the u.s to qualify for u.s nationals because they've chosen to make it invite only whereas the uk lgt and also bordeaux you know i know that bordeaux will be expecting to get a good number of germans um other like you know Western and Central Europeans outside of France, you know, I'm not sure how many Italians and French and Belgians and mm -hmm. Poles be expecting to go to Bordeaux, but it being a huge event, I'm sure it will attract a lot. I'm, you know, really, really happy to say that we are expecting a good number of internationals at the LGT. I know that there'll be a number of French players coming over, some Polish players, Italians, Spanish, Belgians, you know, <laughs> I think that they will all be very, very strong entrants mm -hmm. and that you could very definitely, don't forget, only a couple of Poles came last time and the event was won by a Polish player, right? <laughs> the people who travel are generally the best players from their region and there is a real likelihood that there won't be that many British players inside of the LGT top finishing positions. 
Uh, and so it's quite a different dynamic that actually, you know, it would be very unfortunate if effectively UK players don't get to go to Worlds because the UK tournament that they can qualify from is so internationally popular. Yeah. Whereas the German event so far is looking to be heading towards 32 players. And I think that they will be looking overwhelmingly, you know, announcing 10 weeks out mean, means that it's very unlikely that people will travel from as far. The mm. French event and the LGT, they've been announced six, seven, eight, nine months out, much it's, bigger, wider events. And yeah, they're expecting right. and trying to generate as much international presence as popular. So I think it would be unfortunate if it effectively cost UK entrants their realistic chance of qualifying. Same, we'll same with French. See what happens. So, same with the French. You know, I know that what is looking to be um, the French National Championship, for those of you that aren't aware, Master of Westeros, uh, we talked about it a couple of times, was the largest event for Song of Western Fire ever run by the French. Um, and that was at about 100 players. They are hoping to match that and if not beat it at Bordeaux later this year um if they do you know and they're hopefully you know the lgt gets the the one two eight that we're wanting to get and hoping that turn up on the day we've already sold the tickets hopefully that many people turn up um if they smash that and they go like 130 or 140 which they have the capacity to do um those would be the two largest events of the song of ice and fire ever held in the world and I'm not suggesting here that the German Nationals is somehow lesser. It isn't. The German Nationals is still just a very, very good tournament, and I expect it to be very good. But I do think that it would be a massive shame to have the World Championships be like that one guy at LGT who won it, like Swavek, that one guy from Master of Westeros who won it, that one guy from the italian event because those smaller national events i mean the italian one is looking at 20 to 30 players um it it incentivizes going to small events and qualifying through the smaller events um Mm. which you know I, i don't think it would be particularly appropriate but someone like Carlo, you know, Carlo's a very good example of this, uh, who is kind of running the LGT, so he can't qualify. It would be a bit inappropriate for him to rock up to some Italian, like, 20-man event and throw his dice on the table and go, well, this is the place I'm going to try and do my job. And Carlo's a very good player. He might not be the best player there. He might not win. But if he wins it and takes his place off an Italian, it's like, yeah, no, so that, that so, so that's so that's interesting, of course, because you know, like, um, so it, it is an interesting point because when you look at Italy, also in the reverse, you know, I I'm not exactly sure, but I believe that Jasper, the the best known Italian player, is running Italian nationals and won't be competing. I'm not entirely sure if he's not competing, mm-hmm. but I believe he won't be competing. And that's very similar to myself and Chris, um, who are two of the more widely recognizable UK uh, tournament players. We will be running the LGT and not competing. I don't know if that's the same for Ilya, um, you know, at uh, at German nationals and all these things. Um, It's interesting that 
if those players um, are unable to compete and unable to qualify, then they will obviously, you know, I know from my own personal perspective, I will be looking, therefore, to qualify, say, at another country's nationals. I will be looking to go to somebody else's nationals and, and with the real genuine intent to go there and take the spot off of somebody from that country because I can't earn it in my own country because I am effectively self-excluded from the fact that I am running the event which has the qualifying spot. Um, yeah. And so for me, that's, that's, that's actually, it's fine that I have the capability that I am looking to go to US nationals and the French nationals. I won't be spitting my dummy out and saying, I miss my only opportunity. You know, that's unfair. I can't qualify because I'm running the event. No, I, I, have, I have other chances to qualify. Does make me wish that I had the time to go to Italian nationals and 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 to uh, German nationals because if I had all the time in the world, I I would, you know, like I I, I would go to all these events, um, particularly because I want to play at this world's event. Um, every opportunity that I have to qualify, I will be looking at um, with more seriousness now. Um, and so it's interesting that there may genuinely be a lot of national events not won by their own nationals um simply because of the like the the qualification criteria that you've put on it and that you are looking to um you know create these situations where people want to travel to qualify possibly in the same way um same way that I think that a number of the more closely um, distance-wise U.S. national qualifiers are being qualified by and won by players who aren't from that local scene because they are the players who are willing to travel to earn themselves a spot. Like they want, they know that they want to go to U.S. nationals and that they are going to travel to events until they have qualified and they have secured a spot, and that that is then possibly taking places away from more local players who they're not willing to travel to any and every qualifier that they can and this was their one chance quite an interesting system um you know i, I can't necessarily propose a, a better one without uh you know saying run an elo ranking system <laughs> but you know like uh you know they that 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 is a very advanced concept that they are running a qualification system and that it is open for people to see what it is and to know and understand and to give people more opportunity to qualify are all great things and uh i'm stoked you know like i i'm now that i know for sure that all these other national events that i was already looking at going to are qualifiers i feel great about it all I ever personally want is an opportunity. Like if I can go and win, you could tell me I have to beat 10 players in a row, right? If there is an opportunity for me to earn a spot, that's all I need. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know, this is seeing Carlo into try-hard mode. Uh, you don't see it very often, um, not publicly anyway. But Carlo in tryhard <laughs> mode goes, uh, yeah, he goes vacant. It's really weird. He actually goes vacant slightly behind the eyes, and his face doesn't change from a very serious expression. And 
I'm 90% sure he's just plugged himself in and Carlo bot's taken over and the supercomputer's just right where do we go now um you don't see it often but uh I can see it on his face now so <laughs> yeah I mean um it is interesting I I did some people were asking hey why why is Carlo been playing on TTS uh it is the first start of me considering for the first time in a while like you know about nine months or so um at least at the very least since the scottish gt uh though i don't i wasn't like super super invested in that tournament um it's the first time for quite a while that i've decided you know i want to do well right and uh and and i think as i always spoke about in the past that like i'm not super super into playing on tts but there is no better way to become a better player and so um and so just getting out there and starting to play people i'm i'm quite selective over who i play you know like i i'm looking to play people that i know i will be challenged by and learn from and so you know like i'm generally speaking quite <laughs> i i don't just go looking for game with a random player uh, i'm also still quite busy so unfortunately i still probably can't commit to playing in tournaments playing one game a week which i also think is the best way to like really understand um whether or not you can cut it because some people's tournament mindset is very very different to their to their non-tournament mindset and it also stops you from meeting certain kinds of like really weird lists but anyway i re-entered the tts sphere and started looking for more tts games as a steady ramp up towards the fact that i want to be good at the game again by the time i go to the u.s which is completely legit thing. Um, July, Gen Con? Is it July? Uh, yeah, Gen Con. Well, uh, oh, like event. first week of August, possibly the last weekend of July. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to. Uh, have to win LGT now, aren't I? Shit. Or go to some of the other ones. Um, although I don't know if I'll get leave to go to other countries. Um, yeah. Shit. Um, challenges on. There you go. That's 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 goes try hard. To be fair, I said last year that I'd make it to the final of LGT, um, and I lost to Othel because I wasn't running seven raiders. This year, I will run seven raiders if it means going to worlds. Then take neutral to worlds. Uh, no, don't don't take me on that one. <laughs> I am definitely not going to. Actually, neutrals might be easier to take to worlds because it packs smaller. Can you can you pack a yeah yeah my 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 army will just be a sign that says I concede <laughs> just take that to, there we go there's my army yep crushing victory for you move on right um no uh yeah that was cool that was cool um it it is cool you know like yeah. suggesting that um you know obviously it'll only affect a very small number of players um. A very, very small number of players will qualify. Uh, maybe five to ten times as many players, probably five, will like it will affect them in that they will really want to qualify, right? Like maybe five times as many people as do qualify will really set out with the intent to do so. Yeah. You'll have players like Blood Raven who'll probably qualify while claiming that they didn't want to. 
<laughs> specifically, the greatest casual that ever existed. <laughs> specifically, that he wasn't trying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, and uh, and and so that's still only a very small part of the wider song community, right? But that it creates a reason to be good at the game. It is very similar to how I always believe that the competitive community is a positive for song, you know, like as a whole. It is not a drain on the casual player base. It helps to push forward the casual player base. It helps to create the FAQs. It helps to create uh, a more balanced game. It helps to create, um, you know, interesting interactions. That's where like all of nearly all of song content comes from it's where the people who love the game most and create about the game and speak about the game all come from in exactly the same way having a really really specific really elite goal for even the competitive community i will believe will help to push forward the competitive community itself it means that there is a reason even the good players who want to continue to be even better and to push themselves forward. Carlo, many moons ago, you released a video. Song of Ice and Fire, stats, chats. 18 is a Song of Ice and Fire competitive, a Song of Ice and Fire dead. If you were to answer that question now with the reveals of today and everything that we've known over the last kind of couple of years, what would you say to that now? Well, interestingly, if I remember rightly off that video, that video was talking about the languish between the, um, the Visions and the Flames and 2021 and particularly Greyjoy release, mm. right? And that we saw a humongous decline in DTS events, in people playing games at all, in person in-person events were non-existent because mm -hmm. everybody was waiting for the balance patch um obviously i i think that is is it dead no absolutely not it is the most thriving that it has been that'll do me um, <laughs> i mean it, it it harks back to like you know the reason i created a song of ice and fire stats um it isn't was was never to prove anything you know like I, I i don't you know i don't have a competitive agenda i don't give a crap if one mcu <laughs> or three mcu is better yeah uh i built it because i believed that it helps the community i believe having a competitive community helps the community i believe having a very structured ranking system helps the community mm -hmm. i believe these things because the games that only games that I've ever cared about in the past have all of these things. And I felt that that Simon were not going to provide them. I mean, they still have not. Um, what Song of Ice and Fire stats has become, I obviously, personally, I don't think that Simon will ever provide that. And so, you know, it's no longer just, shall we say, like a placeholder until Simon do it. But I was always trying to lead Simon down a road of, you should do this. This will help your game. This is required to make your game successful, in my opinion. Um, it seems that 
they are maybe catching up, at least in some part. Um, and I think that's really, really good. I would rather enter the London Grand Tournament that Simon ran than run it. I would rather Simon had an ELO system than I made it. I would rather there was a competitive ranking structure that they officially endorsed. If they did, I would fight to be number one. I do not fight to be number one of my own ranking system because that feels worthless to me because I made it. Not because it's not officially ranked or anything like that, but it feels false because it's my system. And uh, so I wish, I make all these things which I wish Steamon would make. Um, and so every single thing that they do, which is at all similar to it, mm-hmm. is, is a brilliant step forward for me. On the mention of you not wanting to be uh, at the top of your own ranking list as well, is, uh, is obviously the fact that we all know that you can just give yourself ELO like you often do. Um, you pretend to play games and then just go, oh, look, I'll give myself 80 ELO for that. Um, <laughs> uh, which we all know happens and is definitely true and has got nothing to do with the fact that you just happen to beat people quite a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, and no one here's met Dan, right? No one else here has met Dan. Dan is a figment of mine and Carlo's combined consciousness, by which point Carlo has manifested Dan as a as a fake person that Carlo then beats, or gets beaten by sometimes, just to make it so it's not completely false. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, no, I'm wicked. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I'd much rather that Simon did all the shit. Because um, we could then talk about Simon, well, all the things that Simon does. Maybe we wouldn't even have to do this. Shit. Yeah, there's that option too. Um, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd rather they had a weekly podcast than, than we'd made one. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> I mean, I'd turn up every week just like 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 all, all the faithful watchers in the chat and I would post shit. But uh, yeah, you know, like... Uh, yeah. Just trying to lead them down the path that I think that the game needs. You know, you can agree or not. <laughs> you can think that I'm the worst thing that ever happened to Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, you know, uh, absolutely. Also, you know, uh, I am, uh, as as people are well aware, I am a deeply flawed person. So if Simon just did it, it would be better. <laughs> it wouldn't. It wouldn't. You know, it wouldn't be made by. Although, you know, am I? A worse person than Michael Chanel? Hmm, that, that, that's a tough question. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Putting out all the stops there. I think you probably are. Like you're, yeah, I mean. You're, you, you, <laughs> worst person, definitely, because you're borderline not human. Um, so, <laughs> you know, soulless versus fragment of soul. I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, cool. There you go. So that was that was random news that dropped. Um, it feels like everything that we now cover is going to be mildly pointless compared to that. Um, yeah. TTS qualifier is going on. Your invitational qualifier, that's going on. We've entered yeah, you the know what? quarters. It's getting spicy. It's getting spicy. We're down to... Quarterfinals. 
yeah, quarterfinals. One of them's already played. Jacob, uh, Jacob, Jacob beat uh, Suister today. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all, all the uh, well, the top four seeds are still in. We'll see if Tom and his neutrals crusade can survive can survive the quarterfinals. He's really taking them strong, showing showing why he's such a, such a good player. Um, I mean. If you've been following along in the NLG Discord, the roller coaster that is Nigel is still in, <laughs> and everybody's loving it. Um, every week, I'm sure he's definitely going to lose this time, and he manages to get through. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think uh, there's some there's some really good uh, players and really interesting mix of um, factions. Excuse me, uh, factions as well. We've got everything from. Barra, Greyjoy, Targ, Neutral, Free Folk. Do we have a Lannister? Uh, no. I think all our Lannisters went out. There we go. Yeah. yeah. We, we only Interestingly, had, like, all our Night's Watch players went out in round one. Yeah. Um, I think all our Lannisters went out in round one as well, I think. Yeah, Lannister and Night's Watch all dropped out in one. So, you know, we've still got a relatively wide spread of players. Now, I'm not going to say that this is, like, quite of the quality. Going back to the balance and where the game's at and stuff like that, it's not quite of the quality of the TTS Masters, which was, you know, the the top sixteen TTS players in the world at the time. The TTS Masters, though, if we remember, like one hundred percent of the people who made it out of first round were like Night's Watch or Free Folk. No, no, uh, Star no, Free Folk. Star, Star Free or Free Folk. Folk. Sorry. No, uh, Mother of Dragons, right? Oh, that World Cup. Was Mother of Dragons World Ooh. Cup? Masters was before? I can't remember. There were two, or at very best, three builds yeah. in the entire tournament after the first round. In this, we're seeing at least five factions, if not ten different builds being played, probably more around the eight region. But obviously, we have a wider variety of uh, player skill. But I think that it's very, very interesting to see um, see the performance of a lot more things. They pretty high level. This is still a very high average player skill entered into the tournament. It's still a very competitive event. Uh, yeah, I've just had a double check on the old website. Um, I do believe that Song of Ice and Fire Masters was before Mother of Dragons was released that was the one obviously won by larks um whereas mother dragons yeah. fest was later in the year with tobo at the world cup um yeah the world cup yeah yeah the, so by the world cup we effectively had three competitive builds we had Starks, mod and uh and free folk right yeah but during the world cup uh sorry during the tts masters we had um we had stark and free folk but with a tiny pinch of Gregor-based Lannisters, I believe. Martin that Rise-based Lannisters was the possible thirds. Wasn't it now, Baratheon's I can't remember randomly? whether or not we allowed Mountain That Rides we into did. the Masters or not. I don't think we did. it. So, I think it was Baratheon. Yeah. After, it was George, wasn't it? George got a Baron mirror into something else, I can't remember, um, and took Baratheon's, I think, to round two, maybe, or round three. Um, after, And that was it. Um, and yeah. then it was free folk and stuff. Um, and worlds was yeah, worlds was literally just 
apart from R Deep, who did well in the initial round with his Baratheons. I yeah. think that was just the three. And even then, it wasn't even like... <laughs> the Starks had two builds. They had the Rob and the Howland. But Free Folk had Harmer in Sig. Basically, and that was it. Um, and the... Yeah, and then later on, it was not even Targaryens. It was Mother of Dragons. Um, it was Harmer in Sig mixed with Steer Mammoth. Um and Howland and Rob. Um, the only time we've actually ever seen... Like, now I think back to it, Starks and their dominance is the only time we've actually seen a dominant two-list pairing rather than dominant one-list that then carries a second list. Uh, Awful John was about the closest we got, and let's be brutally honest, that was mostly carried by Awful. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it was really carried by awful. Free folk, the harmer steer thing worked, but in sig spam, I mean, mammoths were broken; they were dumb. Um, it was still harm in sig spam that was winning games. Um, mother of dragons obviously was just mother of dragons. There was no alt list, except different mother of dragons. Um, yeah, I think that's actually now I think about it, it's the only time we've actually seen a, a two list pairing where both commanders solidly performed well above the pack. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, uh, it was interesting because effectively one was I will fight everything else in the game and the other was I will fight my mirror. Yes. Um, yeah. Interesting. Bring back NCU commanders? No. No. You're the best. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to say, I, I think NCU Commander's going is probably the best thing that's happened. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that is probably the best change. Still not sure changing NCUs to four points over three has made that much of a difference outside of just bringing everyone's activations down. I don't really think it mm. made that big a difference to the game. No, it didn't, it didn't stop. Well, I mean, it's made it's made two NCUs versus three, or even one NCUs versus the two slash three, less far behind. Yes, but it Close hasn't made it. Yeah, but not eradicated said gap. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, uh, we'll see how this one plays out. Um, we've got, uh, I think, Nige and Podwis are playing tomorrow night mm -hmm. at 7pm UK time. Um, myself and Blood are playing tomorrow night at 9pm my time. Um, and the only other one is the Tom and Magyar Khan. And I don't know if he's got the time for that yet. Might set the time for that. Um... I mean, Magyar Khan's been an absolute tear. He actually came into the event as the second lowest rated player. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's been knocking out some big names. <laughs> you know, his first round, he took on uh, took out Masara. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, followed that up by um, with, with Pax Dax. But now going into Tom, I believe. Yeah, he is yep. versus Winter is coming next. Um, so we'll see if he gets through that one. Um, but yeah, you know, he's... Showing that uh, some people's rankings don't mean a thing. 
some six out of the eight players still in the event are this six top rated players so you know like uh it's it's not <laughs> they don't mean nothing <laughs> um it's just elite, elite teddy is maybe just not that good you know niger's clearly better than elite teddy um uh so much for so much for this blog eh? he clearly needs to learn from his own blog <laughs> um yeah no i'm i'm really looking forward to the rest of the event uh there's a lot more to go find it Ah, there we go. Uh, a lot more to go, obviously. Um, and what I like most about this event, um, there is actually likelihood that it's not high, but there is a likelihood we might see mirrors happening at the semi-finals. But we mm -hmm. will not see a mirror, a faction mirror in the final at all. It's not possible for a faction mirror to happen in the final. Um, with myself playing up against Blood Raven, that's free folk or Greyjoy playing into. Uh, so Jacob's free folk in the next round, um, and then either that's going to be free folk or Greyjoy going into the final from that side of the bracket, and then you've got Baratheon Targ neutral Targ on the other side, meaning that mm. the best we get is a free folk mirror on one side and a Targ mirror on the other. If like I say the best, the worst we can get um, yeah. into a Targ free folk final. Um, but yeah, it's it's nice to know that we've not got mirrors happening everywhere as well. Yeah. I think that's Especially not in the final. Um, yeah. I think it's never been harder to predict the meta, to predict a tournament, to predict what what to watch out for when you enter an event yourself. Um, which, as I say, leads into this idea. I think it's never been harder to be a really, really good player. Because the amount of things that you need to be prepared for and need to watch out for and need to have knowledge of is higher than it's ever been. In the past, there only had, you know, like I felt that if I knew two, three builds, then I knew the whole game. You know, yeah. like if I, if I knew, I mean, if I knew the important cards of like four commanders um, and, and, their, and like three factions, kind of like that was all that was it that was that was the competitive game everything else i just make up on the fly and you know like they they weren't strong enough to cause a problem whereas right now i feel like you need to know everything that could be thrown at you and how you're going to deal with it yep. and i think that, that is a really exciting place for the competitive community that's the topic of uh of fleet teddy's last post the gotcha hammer idea um read up like if you want to be genuinely a good player, we've said it before. Literally, just go and learn stuff. Learn every card. Learn the uh, the trigger specifically is the important thing, but obviously the effect. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's no point sitting here being like, mm, I need to learn this trigger of like start of round and this happening and this happening and this happening, and the effect is nothing because like no, don't go and learn Belwas's stuff, for example. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, no, go and let everyone's gonna pick Belwas as like an underpicked hero and be like, oh, no one knows Belwas's cards. Oh, capture people, and then it'll be mostly people catching themselves, being like, why the fuck is this so shit? Um, but yeah, no, go and you know, go and learn the big four at least. You know, as, as Chris says, you need to know every card in the Targ deck. You need to know every card in the Night's Watch deck, every card in the Free Folk deck, every card prob probably in the Brathian deck, because actually the Brathian cards aren't trash anymore. Um, you need to know at least the big commanders of each faction, if not more. Um, you know, know the cards, know the triggers, know what's coming up, and then remember if the Baratheon draws sustained assault, that you can laugh at them 
because the tr card is truly awful. Um, so, should we leave it there for this week outside of going through tournaments? Like the Absolutely. up and coming. Yeah? Yes. So, upcoming tournaments. I am just going to have to rattle through these because this list gets, I swear, this list gets longer every single time I have to do this. We've got the appropriately named Battle at the Wall happening tomorrow in Russia. So if you're not signed up for that and you're in Russia or near Russia or want to travel to Russia, sign up for that event and go to that Russian event. Uh, that's happening tomorrow. You've got a couple of hours left to sign up. Maybe. Uh, there's the Break the Meta TTS tournament. This is a tournament hosted by Suster. Um, he is doing this in a somewhat European uh, and international standpoint uh, for a small um, event happening on TTS while the US TTS event happens, uh, which is being put up. It's uh, Suster's way of saying, we matter too. Um, yeah, you do. Hey. I think you've just done. I think you've just done the uh, Simon faux pas there. By the way, I'm pretty sure it's an NA event. Sorry. <laughs> Is it actually NA? I thought they. I thought they said. I think it's NA. I think it's based on time zone. It's not. It might be NA, not US. On US only. Apologize. Um, there's a Song of Ice and Fire Till Coruscant Con, Coruscant Con even. Another event happening in Denmark. Great. More Danish community. Uh, we've seen them kind of crop up and do some stuff over the last couple of months, so that's great. We've also got happening War for the Wall. Not to be confused with Battle for the Wall. Don't sign up for that one because you'll end up in Russia. This one you end up in Durham in the UK. Uh, obviously hosted by that man, who hopefully won't be playing in said event because we'll have full players and even numbers, but he may play in it because, you know. I think currently I am. Currently I will be the 20th player. If everybody turns up. Big if. I mean, we've already established that Carla has no friends. So playing a one-man event, which is what we're expecting, is uh, probably not going to happen. Of course, Carlo will make it pretend it's 20 and he'll give himself a little gold cup just to, to prove a point. <laughs> um, no. Uh, we've also got another event happening in Poland. I might just have an audio cue now, which I click a button, and it goes, there's an event in Poland. There's an event. Just do that every time. Um uh, we've got one happening in Allen Road in Lexington, Kentucky. Cool. Awesome. We've got the North American Invitational. This is the North American TTS event. They've called it North American Invitational. Don't know why, but that's there. If you're an uh, NA player looking to play online on TTS, that's starting up this weekend's end as well. Uh, just going to go double check how many players the TTS events have obviously got signed up to them. Uh, the NA one is currently looking at 17 so far with one on the waiting list 18 and our U1 has 16 cool so you know decent player numbers there um, we've got Toch Bourbon things pronouncing that right happening on Sunday in uh, Saint-Denis uh, in La Rienne oh that's the um, that's the the island reunion right that's the if possibly. Random Island, one we were talking about before. Yeah. On the island. Yeah. There we go. There we go. It's him. He's running the event on the island. I assume he's got players going to it, and he knows those players. Um, so hopefully that goes really well. I'm going to randomly check that one out next Monday, and if it, if people turn up and it's 
cool that's awesome uh we've also got battle for white harbor 4 happening that's the uh the rotterdam event happening it's been on their site for a little while um they've got an event happening on sunday this week fantastic uh there's another event in poland on sunday in warsaw um need i say any more uh oh a starter box tourney happening in Carrollton, texas at uh, texas toy soldiers starter box tournament we've seen they've been they've been quite popular recently which yeah is a good thing because it usually means people are getting into the game right so yeah um and then after that it's uh well the can we believe really it? Not long to the Italian national championships, and we'll find out the first person who qualifies for worlds. Yeah. Um, are you signing up and going then? <laughs> Unfortunately, not at one week's notice. <laughs> um, let's see see what they've got. So they've got some Spanish players going. They've got Titus is going. Philippe Titus uh, is going, and wow, a load of Italians on the waitlist as well. Um, most of them from uh Latina i think it's a 32 player max right 32 yeah, player 32 cap, player max. i think and and yeah also also that it's full up it would is be full the up. other problem yeah I mean, <laughs> according to melkor hey, 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 hey. <laughs> they're not off the waiting list yet they may not get accepted yeah right money can free anything up melkor <laughs> It's a shame that Carlo hasn't got any. <laughs> no, we've already ascertained that I'm a secret millionaire. <laughs> is it like on stats? Stats now just is, is also connected to an international bank and you've just logged in as an admin and put some zeros on the end of your last... <laughs> nice. He's actually yeah, a I mean, I've been saying it for a while, but this is looking like a really, really good event. You know, like, yeah. uh, re really glad that, you know, that they've got the Nationals title thrown in there, that, that Asmodee are sending them over i mean i don't know i don't know why it was as many of themselves who were like by the way we're sending or simon were like by the way we're sending them a thousand dollars worth of stuff like but uh you know that's brilliant it means that you know we're talking like literally like 30 dollars per entrant in terms of price support coming back to these players which is not dissimilar to what um the lgt was able to uh do last time um which is great that they're supporting these events this this much um that like people know that these supported events will get such good support can hopefully i mean it's not going to help the italians now their event is already full and it's a bit late for that kind of announcement but this will hopefully really push the german event forward really push its entrance um you know like honestly it might be too late for the lgt i think that's already full at 128 we haven't even checked in for a while because we're so sure of it but you know if if you're on the fence, try and sign up for the LGT. There there will be a waiting list if it's already sold out. Then we'll be generating names and helping people move on their tickets if they can't make it to the event. And I'm sure it will help the French event be as big as possible. People know that they can expect something around this level of support in terms of coming away with prizes, but also, more importantly, that we're fighting for the big prize of coming away with a spot at Worlds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's. I'm hyped. I, I really, I really hope and expect that the French event will be looking at around the 150 mark, mm -hmm. biggest, bigger and better than they managed to achieve before COVID. I hope that they're bigger and better than the LGT. We, you know, we, we, we were. Um, I think we were right to pick our cap at 128 this year. 
but I hope that next year we can be talking in the, you know, closer to the 256, doubling again in size is what I'm really hoping for. And that will show just like the growth of the community. Um, and hopefully that can give the response back to Simon that if they push, if they provide for the competitive community, it will grow. By extension, the whole game will grow. Yeah. And that's uh, that's what we all hope for. Definitely. 100%. Um, I know I'm going to be following that, uh, obviously, with close eyes. Um, thankfully, it's not this weekend, because obviously I'd have been super busy uh, in Durham this weekend. But next weekend, obviously, I can uh, watch the Italian nationals all play out and see see who's winning. I'll be following along with it as we go, um, seeing what's going on there. Um, and hopefully, you know, if we get the opportunity, I will, uh, I'll drop a message to Jasper as well, and see if he can uh, join us to tell us all how it goes. Um, have him back on, because uh, he's a nice guy. I like Jasper. I like a lot of people we have on here. Much nicer than Carlo. Um, <laughs> oh, hi, Barry. It's not. Um, all right, so that is a grand total of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 events happening this weekend. Jesus Christ, although two of them are TTS events. Slow weekend. So a slow weekend, nothing really happening in Solvice and Fire this weekend. Uh, and with that, guys, we will call it there. <laughs> Uh, you know, just nothing happening. Sign up for events. Play events. Play Song of and Fire. Song of and Fire is a great game. It's really balanced. Look how balanced it is. Balanced. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I like, 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 like missing off neutrals there. I mean, it really really does help the balance if you miss neutrals off. But, you, can have uh... the, you can have the logo, just not the ELO. Balanced. <laughs> um, there we go. So uh, I'll just say balanced a few more times. Really uh, get everyone's uh, mojo going. But yeah, um, Thank you all very much for tuning in. Uh, any last words, Carlo? Let's find out if Mickey can win two cups. One Mickey, two cups. No, that sounds like a very bad thing to search in your Google bar. Um, all right, then. <laughs> Thanks a lot for joining us this week, guys. Uh, we will catch you all again next week. And uh, I hope everyone has a great week of a song by some fire. Um, take it easy. Ready, aim, release! Anyone see my mammoth?